People every day use the phrase that the truth shall set you free. But do people even know where that phrase originally came from and who spoke it and in what context in which it was spoken? Find out in this next episode on how to really be free based on the word of God. Coming up next. So the truth makes you free, right? Okay, well, is that indeed a true statement or is it a cliche or is it just common street vernacular? Uh, What do people mean when they say the truth shall set you free or the truth will make you free? Where did that phrase come from and how does it apply to our everyday lives? Well, a lot of what we say today actually comes from the word of God, but we have um, secularized it or it becomes a part of our normal everyday language. Like for instance, the handwriting is on the wall. I mean, that is actually a phrase that comes from the book of Daniel uh, chapter five, where there's a king having a, a lavish party and feast and he sees a handwriting on the wall that's put up, put up there supernaturally. And he wonders what it is. I won't go into it, but that's where that phrase comes from. The handwriting is on the wall. I mean, another one that could be used is what comes around goes around. And actually that most likely is derived from you shall uh, reap what you sow. Uh, Some people mistakenly, a lot of people mistakenly say that it's karma and that's not true. And I know karma is very popular with people, even those who uh, profess to be Christians, but karma has nothing to do with Christianity. So a lot of what we say comes from the word of God and the phrase, the truth shall set you free is another one that comes from the word of God. But where was it originally penned and who spoke it? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ said that and he was was talking to the Jews of his time, the religious leaders of his time and to get the context of where we find that phraseology, we have to go to John's gospel chapter eight. All right. John's gospel chapter eight. And we need to look at, we need to start with, I'm going to start a little bit ahead. Let's start with, um, I'm going to start with verse 28. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he And I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Verse 30. And he was saying these things. Many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, listen to that. That's the key. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth 
and the truth will set you free. All right. So I need to go over some things real quick with you so that we understand what Jesus is saying in depth. So he says, if you abide in my word, that's verse 31, John's gospel, chapter eight, you are truly my disciples. And a disciple is one who is a learner, one who is a follower. Jesus was a teacher. A disciple is in essence, a student. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But the necessary condition, once again, is if, if you abide in my word, if you abide, in other words, if word, if, if his word takes residence in your life and your heart, in other words, you live there. I mean, your abode, your home, where you reside is God's word. He says, then you are truly my disciples. So that lets you know that there are true disciples and there are fake ones. There are false followers of Christ to this very day, to this very moment that I'm speaking to you. And there are true disciples. So those that are of, of the truth, they're free. Those that are fake, they're not free. They're, they're in bondage. All right. And so I'm going to keep reading. It says, and they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Well, that statement that they just made said that they're offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved. Well, the part being them, them being offspring of Abraham is indeed true, but them saying they've never been enslaved is not true because the children of Israel were enslaved to the Egyptians. <laughs> they were enslaved to the Babylonians and they were enslaved to the Persians. Uh, prior to this conversation that Jesus is having with them right now. So that's not a true statement. Now, those, and at the time, just, and also by, at, the, at this time, during the time of Christ, they were being occupied and they were dominated by the Roman Empire. So that's not a true statement at all, that they said they were never enslaved to anyone. That's, that's an untrue statement. So verse 34, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, this is a very important verse as well. Verse 36, you will be free indeed. All right. Verse 36. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In other words, you will be free for real. So. Once again, going back up to verse 31 and 32, he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. All right. And then in verse 36, he says, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So he repeats himself saying the same thing uh, twice with a slight different phraseology. All right. So that is how one is truly made free is if the word of God abides in them. He says, and so that's the condition. If my, my word abides in you, or if my, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. Here's a kind of a parallel passage to that. The benefit of abiding in God's word. I'm going to go to the 15th chapter of John's gospel, Jesus speaking again, 
And this is what he says. Verse 7, John chapter 15, verse 7 says, If you abide in me, all right, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. All right. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So, the similar language here in John 15, that is in John chapter 8. Let me keep reading. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, once again, that word abide means to live, to take residence, to be at home, right? These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. And then he goes on. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Verse 14, John chapter 15. All right. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his, what his master is doing. But I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my father. I've made known to you. All right. Now stop it right there. So here again, Jesus is talking about the abiding uh, factor, how important it is for the word of God to take resident in our lives. And to do that reaps or yields wonderful benefits. He says, once again, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, whatever you wish, it will be done for you. All right. But once again, the key element is that the word of God has to abide in you in order for you to get what you desire from the Lord. And also another benefit is that by you abiding in the word of God, the father is glorified. And also Jesus says that abide in my love, another commandment. And he says, if you abide in my love, he says, your, uh, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So abiding in God's words and an abiding in the love of Jesus Christ yields eternal benefits. It's beneficial now and it's beneficial in the life to come. Amen. So that in essence, ladies and gentlemen, is what true freedom is all about. All right. So a person can't be truly free in the sense that God has set them free, that Jesus Christ has set them free unless they allow, permit God's word to abide in them. All right. So this passage of scripture, I wasn't going to read, but I'm compelled to read it now. So I'm going to go to it. Just give me a moment. And I will get there. All right. There's another passage of scripture that I need to hit. And this is it. It's in Colossians chapter three, verse 16. It says this, it says, let the word of God or the word of Christ dwell in you 
richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. All right. So the importance of allowing God's word to abide in us. And it says here, let it abide in us richly. In other words, in abundance, in a lavish way, in an overflowing way. You know what I'm saying? So, and to me, that is typical. Spirit of God is giving me other scriptures to go to. And like I said, I had no intent of going to these other passages of scriptures, but I'm going to read another. I'm going to go to Psalm 23. All right. It's a very short Psalm. It's only uh, six verses, but this is what it says here. And it, it, it says this here. It says, Verse five, Psalm 23 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Here's the part that I wanted to focus on. The latter part of the verse, my cup overflows. So why am I bringing that up? Because when the word of God abides in you ritually, as we just read in Colossians chapter three, then you have an you have an abundance you have an overabundance in other words your cup is overflowing it's overflowing past the rim over its banks and to the extent that you need to pour into somebody else's cup because you have more than what you need god has baptized you in his blessing amen so that is very important so once again we're talking about what true freedom is and this is what true freedom looks like from a divine perspective. So, I mean, you can be free in your body in the sense that you're not enslaved or working the cotton fields on some plantation. Praise God for that, that, that freedom. But what if you still are a slave to sin? Then you're, you're not free because number one, the opposite is happening to you. God's word is not abiding in you. His love is not abiding in you. So therefore you're not abiding in his love and the father is not glorified and Jesus joy is not displayed in your life. And your joy can't be full because you have not done the initial part yet. You have not allowed the word of God to dwell in you richly and you have not allowed the word of God to abide in your soul. So you're not free. You're, you're in bondage still. You're still a slave to your sin. And so you're not a free man. You're not a free woman. You're doing the devil's work, unfortunately. So, and that leads me to the passage that I want to end up with. And that's in Proverbs, the second chapter. Proverbs, the second chapter. And this is Solomon speaking to his son. And he says this. And I'll start at the... Um, first verse as I close it says my son if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding yes if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures verse 5 then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God verse 6 for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity. 
Verse 8, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Verse 9, then you understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. And I'll stop right there. So I read Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 all the way to verse 15. So, and the first chapter of Proverbs, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So imagine if our leaders implored the word of God in their lives. In other words, they allowed the word of God to dwell in their life richly. They, they love the word of God. They decided to let the word of God abide in them. How successful they would be in their um, political aspirations, how the power of God would be able to rest upon them and do things through them that they never would imagine possible. But because they yielded to the word of God and they made the conscious effort to obey it, they are receiving favor from God and the power of God is being made manifest in their lives and they would understand the right path. They would understand justice. They would understand equity. But because they don't implore God's word, they're powerless and they're now, they're subject to their own minds. And so things go wrong as we have witnessed for the past several years. And now that we are on inauguration day, we are probably all, probably all waiting with bated breath to see what the new administration will do under uh, Joseph Biden. So I wanted to share in just a brief moment of time what freedom really is. And when we use the phraseology, the true self sets you free, it comes from the word of God. In case those of you that are listening did not know, it comes from John's gospel, the eighth chapter, in particular verses 31 and 32, and also in verse 36 of that chapter. And I also wanted to springboard from there and read the passages that I read to you, which was Colossians chapter three, and also Proverbs chapter two. All right. God bless you on this inauguration day. This is Brother Dell of Gospel Repentance Ministries. We'll talk sooner than later.